I think a lot of people don't really understand what manifesting is. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us what it is? So, I mean, for me, it's because I know that there's like blogs and all sorts of things about manifesting, but I'm very particular about words and like how I say things and, and the things that I think in the way I think them. So um, I'm a big fan of The Secret. So I read that book every year. I watch the documentary, whatever. So The Secret and, and everyone, it gets so much bad rap because people think, oh, you put it on a vision board and like it just happens. Like that's not what the secret is at all. It's about training your mind to see things and say things in a more positive way to bring those things back into your life. And it's like what you put out, you do get back. So that I'm so glad you brought that example up because mm-hmm. that the secret did get a lot of backlash. Which I'm like, you clearly didn't read the book then. Like right. you didn't read it or you didn't watch it like fully to like, cause people are like, Oh, I read the first chapter. I get it. I'm like, but you don't because you didn't read, like you didn't read it. That's not what it is at all. It's yeah. about how you say things and putting things around you. And it's like people do crystals and all that other stuff. And I'm like, it's the same to me. You know what I mean? You're putting the things that you want in your life and you're putting them. So you see them visually. And the whole point of the secret is that subconsciously, if you have a vision board or like, I'm a big affirmations, like words of affirmations person. So, um, you know, putting these things, it just trains your brain and makes your subconscious work towards those things. So in in the key word that you just said is it, you work towards those things. Cause what a lot of people don't understand is like I'm huge with vision boards, mm-hmm. like, and you guys, I I've had my kids doing vision mm-hmm. boards since they were little. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when we redid your office, I made sure that there yeah. was a part for. Oh yeah, a, you know, a big. I vision have board a huge vision yeah. board. I mean, and I'm really, but that doesn't mean that the, I put up pictures and think they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a reminder of why you do the things mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. That you know you're working towards. Mm-hmm. This is what you're working towards. Yeah. But the work has to come. You yeah. have to do the work. It's yeah. not, you don't sit and talk about things. You don't sit and, you know, it's not just putting words out there. Mm-hmm. It's not even using the right words. It's you have to take action. Yeah, there's definitely That's action. Like, but it's it trains you how to like, it's like what you focus your mind on. So it's like it, they use an example about running late. So if you're running late and you say like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late instead of saying I need to be on time, it trains you to focus on late and not on time. It's just taking the, the, the words and flipping them and flipping the script to be more of a positive. So you mean, so so instead of saying, I can't be late, I can't be late, I can't be late. You have to say, I need to be on time. I need to be on time. I need to be on time. So it's just like consciously saying like what the things that you want instead of the things that you don't want. Cause we always change your actions and your actions then Mm-hmm. create but, a different you, behavior. Yeah. And then you, but I do think you, you attract that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? There is that law of attraction that, that if you're saying you're going to be late all the time, you will be late. Like I am, I'm, I am late. Welcome to the Nooner show. Here's your host, Jackie Wallace, Gina Guccini and Rocky Wallace. Interesting conversation and a lot of great banter today. Mm-hmm. Let's get started. Let's not keep our guest a secret any yeah. longer and let's get We're gonna started. We're going to find out what he's a. Uh, Law of Attraction secret is. There we go. Let's <laughs> welcome our guests. This segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. Our guest today, Nils Hartman, was born in Germany and moved around the world, usually a new home for six months at a time. Eventually, his family settled in Rochester, Michigan, where he attended and graduated college as a mechanical engineer. Nils has a passion for cars that led him to build his own business outside his nine to five. 
He started attending and organizing car events to fill the void of adventure. Like any forward-thinking visionary, he saw problems with the current system and knew he had a way to improve it. He started off by creating his own race car events by hosting them for his friends. Word spread and demand grew. Anyone from stay-at-home moms to retirees to professional race car drivers were reaching out to Nils to participate in his events. Nils took the leap and launched his own company in 2017 called Summer Track Days. The company now has over 600 members and has expanded to race trucks across the state of Michigan. To learn more about Summer Track Days, you guys can check out summertrackdays.com. Welcome to the Nooner Show, Nils Hartman. Yay! So what do you drive? Let's start that. <laughs> oh boy, it's a choice of six or seven every morning. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is such an, a fascinating concept to me. Um, so let's start off with summer track days. First, tell us about the company. Exactly what is the company about? I guess it's not entirely a new concept, but um, so multiple you know racetracks across the country, even the world, they host... Um, open days that you can go take your own car to or rent a race car and just go drive, learn, get instructors to teach you, just become a better driver. And uh, I don't know, they're all pretty expensive. They're very stress-filled. They're very full. There's just, you know, hundreds of people there normally. I don't know, it's just really hard to get your time. It's it's hard to learn. It's hard to experience things when you can only do it, you know, 10, 15 minutes in an eight-hour span. So this is, I guess, the part that sort of threw me. This is not for race car drivers. This is for anybody that wants to race car? Yeah. So, um, you know, the events in general are designed for pretty much anybody to show up with a car that will basically pass a safety inspection. So as long as parts aren't falling off your car, your brakes work, you know, your oil's not leaking. Oh, damn, my car's out. Or, uh, yeah, you could, <laughs> so you can bring pretty much anything as long as, you know, it's not like a truck or a Jeep that might tip over. So, so can you bring like a minivan? You'll be pretty hard pressed for a minivan um, just because they have a relatively high center of gravity and you don't want to tip over on track. So uh, your car does have to pass certain, you know, safety regulations. So does it go through a safety checkup at the racetrack? Yeah. Like for example, I, I've never raced in my life. Right. So I can bring my car, I can bring a Malibu to this racetrack. Yeah, absolutely. Untrained. Yep. And what do I do? Walk me through this. So, um, you know, once you show up to the day, you'll take your car through and you'll go through what we call a tech inspection. So we'll have you get out of your car. Somebody else will get into it, open the trunk, the hood, everything. Just make sure nothing's fallen off of it. Uh, make sure you don't have anything loose flying around the cabin that could, you know, hit you in the face while you're trying to drive quickly. So, so I can't no, bring my coffees. And no yeah. Macy bags. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh. No. And then, uh, you know, we'll do little things like pull your floor mats out of the car so they can't block your brake pedal. Something that people don't think about. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check your wheels or check your tires, your brakes, make sure you're not leaking anything, just anything that could be a safety hazard for you or anyone else. Um, how long does that take? Um, I guess it depends on how much you've done your homework. So we do allow, uh, or we provide tech sheets that you can show up with. So you can actually show up with this checklist pre-done and then we'll just double check you. And then, but you know, most people are newcomers, so they don't bring that sheet. So we go through, um, quite a bit of the car, so it can take you know anywhere from a minute to ten minutes, depending on how sketchy your situation might be. Because you know some people show up and they you know they don't really think about the safety of their car, so they didn't take certain precautions or you know have phone chargers flying around the car and stuff like that. So we end up you know moving your seats around, making sure there's nothing under them, get all your stuff out of your trunk. Do you do you um, do you check somebody's driving record? 
Uh, we do not check driving record. Uh, you, you can actually drive without a driver's license. You can? Yeah, so it's a completely... On the track, not, yeah. I, not yeah, on but the even on the track? Yeah, so somebody will have to bring you there. But uh, yeah, the track is completely private. So we have an age limit of uh, 16 because we just want to be a little bit safer. But theoretically, you can do this stuff starting at five years old. You can? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so so you get there, you pass the inspection. Is there a dress code? Like um, you have to be wearing long pants. That's and then you know you need your helmet and stuff. But oh, you have um, a? Do you bring your own helmet or do you uh, rent one? So you can do both. So if you have a helmet, you can bring it. Um, it has to be a certain like requirement level for helmets. You can't just bring any piece of plastic that fits on your head. Um, so there are safety regulations and. Uh, Helmets actually have like expiration dates and stuff. So you can't bring a helmet that's 34 years old because it doesn't match the regulations that we have nowadays. Um, so we'll actually take your helmet too and we'll go through, check the tag, check the regulations and everything because basically everything we do is to both prevent a crash and if you are in one, make sure that you get out of it okay. Do you, um, can you ride, can a friend ride with you? Yes. Yeah, so we actually will limit based on experience. So if it's your first time out, um, we do not allow you to take a passenger unless it is an instructor um, until about halfway through the day. And then we will actually gauge where you're at, whether you're driving safely or not. And then we can allow you to bring passengers. How many cars are on the track at once? Like if I decide to do this, God forbid. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Let's pray to God that doesn't happen. How many, how many <laughs> other cars will be there? So it depends on the size of the track. So we go to a couple different racetracks, but um, the one that's local here in Clarkston is Waterford Hills. It's a little bit over a mile, and you'll have up to 10 cars at the same time. So there's always, you know, a big safe distance between cars. We don't want anybody close. Does the track have, like, some kind of safety crew on stand? Yeah. So standby? they have a, uh, a flag person at every single turn. Um, we have EMS and fire there all the time. Simple things like tow trucks if you go into a gravel pit or something. And uh, if anything ever happens, you know, we shut the track down completely. We clean everything up. We make sure everyone's safe. So, you know, safety is our number one priority. Have you had anything pretty serious happen where you've had to shut the track down? You know, I used to be really proud of this. Over, you know, five years, we've only ever had two crashes. And, you know, five to seven events a year, 100 to 200 people an event, I would say that's pretty good. And then... Um, our last event last year, we actually had two people have a pretty serious crash, and one of them actually hit a barrier hard enough to break the barrier. So oh, wow. we shut the track down for, I think it was probably four and a half to five hours, clean everything up. We actually tore the barrier out of the ground and put a new barrier in because it was considered unsafe to continue because if somebody else hits that barrier, they might go past it. Driver came out completely unscathed, you know, hurt ego, but that's about it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's scary. So how did you start this event in particular? Because you were part of car groups. Yeah, so in, um, in college, um, I was finding more and more people that had really cool cars, people that had the same type of passion as me, especially in, in engineering, you find a lot of car guys. <laughs> um, and, you know, there were four or five of us decided we should do something about it. You know, they have a bunch of uh, clubs on campus. So we tried, you know, maybe we can do this, get some funding, maybe throw some cool events. Um, so we started uh, MCOU, which was Motors Club of Oakland University. And um, we made little business cards. There were little gold cards that just said OU on it and it just said, I like your car. So 
when we were all driving around, we had 20 or 30 of these cars or cards in our car and we'd see a cool car or something that looks like it might have been modified and we just drop a card on them and it would have the link to our Facebook group and to the uh, Oakland student organization. And uh, we built this group from, you know, five of us to four or five hundred people in the span of a year or two. Then we kind of got bored of parking in parking lots and looking at everybody's car. It just it got a little bit old. You know, sometimes we'd make pancakes or bring pizza, but it just, it just wasn't enough excitement. And uh, I've always loved racing. I've, I've been watching Formula One since my with my dad since I was four or five years old. So something I always wanted to do, something I always thought was very expensive and maybe unsafe. And so we decided to try it out. You know, I called some local racetracks just to see what would be the most cost effective way to get, you know, 30, 40 of us on a racetrack and do something that we love. And we got lucky with Waterford Hills. They're super cost effective. You know, we can bring 40 to 50 people out at a time. I think it was 25 of us or so ended up just splitting the cost and it was still cheaper than going to any, any racetrack event that any of those racetracks were currently holding. What made it cheaper? I think they just charged a lot. So they have events where they will bring, you know, 60 to 70 people where you end up with more than 10 cars on track at the same time, up to 20, which is what really frustrated me about those events and why I never really went to them. Um, I just thought it was a bit much, especially coming out, never being on a racetrack before. The last thing I want is somebody to bump into my only car as a college student, you know, you're oh, already right. barely making buy. So I don't need major multi-thousand dollar car like repair payments on top of, you know, trying to find my engineering book money. So yeah, we went out, we had a great time. It was, you know, there was very few of us. So super safe, it was super fun. And, you know, everybody said it was the most fun thing they'd ever done. That group at Oakland kind of ended up falling apart and uh, it was something I really loved. So it was something I wanted to try again. So we did it again with some more friends. We had, you know, 40, 45 people that time and we realized it still worked out really well. start doing the math for what these tracks normally charge and uh you know they're making a ton of profit they own their own property they're just basically renting out the space for six to eight hours a day and um splitting it between 40 and 50 people i realized that we could charge under half of what those people are doing and still profit really well and at the time it was for me to buy extra car parts you know it wasn't it wasn't a full income or anything like that it was just fun money for me so i did it the first time more legit, not just friends, opened it up to people. And uh, we filled out in, I think it was like four days. Wow. So the tracks don't open until April or May. I posted something about it in December on Facebook. And by January 2nd or something like that, we were totally booked out. And uh, actually, most of my friends that did it with me weren't able to secure a spot because of how fast it went by. Wow. So, you know, I thought this could really be something. So I just started to, you know, make everything legit, you know, get a real name, make a logo, start a business, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I realized the, how fast it sold out. We could do this a couple times. So we started the first year with three days. And then ever since then, we've been doing six to eight every single year. And uh, we have not had a single day that hasn't been sold out. The first event this year is in May. It's five events in Clarkson at Waterford Hills. So we have May 14th. June 3rd, July 8th, August 5th, and September 9th. So once a month works out pretty well for me. I have to do a lot of prep work. You know, I have to get instructors together. And it's honestly perfect timing. It always works out. You know, the last week I get everybody there and everybody I need to help. And 
um, you know, breaking my own car in the process and stuff. So, uh, you know, it works out really well every single month. I get one wonderful event to look forward to. And is, is it your company now or do you have partners? Like did any of your friends partner with you or? So it is solely mine. Um, I have a couple friends that I have helped me um, and they have quite a lot of duties. They're more than just somebody that asked to help. Um, I have them do a lot of work, social media wise, marketing wise, on the track. I have them moving the entire time we're there. The events you have planned this year, are they sold out already? Um, so they are not. I have been a little bit lazy this year. I've been going through job changes and uh, just had a lot of stress this year so far. So I've been a little bit lazy on the marketing end. But um, the second they were posted, two of our track days halfway sold out within like 48 hours. Okay. So um, especially in the age of COVID, things have been a lot slower. Mm -hmm. um, people seem to want to make decisions or planning decisions, I should say, a little bit later. You know, we were selling out events in January that weren't happening until June. So anybody who's interested in attending one of these events, how do they find out? So you would jump on our website, summertrackdays.com. Um, we try to post all over Facebook as well. Um, and you'll have all the dates listed, all the safety requirements, a uh, full breakdown schedule of what to expect. So the website is basically all the questions that I had the first time I came in. And then we've just been slowly developing it into questions we get from people all the time. We just post them on there. So there's an insane amount of information, probably more than anybody ever cares to know. So, so when people are done like subscribing and following the Nooner Show, they can <laughs> jump onto yours. Some, it's Summer Tracks. Summertrackdays.com, yeah. And they can, the website, their social media, Instagram. Um, we do have an Instagram. It's not very active. Um, but it will be. It's also Summer track days. There we go. <laughs> so, and Facebook. Yep. They can so, like, subscribe, and follow the Nooner Show and your pages too. Perfect. What would you think is like one of the biggest like misconceptions when it comes to your company or just being on the track in general? Honestly, I think it's the safety aspect. Everybody thinks that this is something that is very difficult that only professionals can do, and they're going to crash and die. Hmm. And uh, it's it's a little unrealistic. So, <laughs> um, that would be me. <laughs> I even had a guy that he uh, he was living in the area, and he saw he just heard a bunch of noise going on, and he showed up, and he's like the heck are you guys doing here? Like there's loud noise happening. You know, I live a block down. I've never been here. I don't know what this is. And uh, I kind of explained to him what we were doing. And he was like, wow, that sounds really cool. You know, is that something that I might be able to do one day? And I told him, I was like, why don't you do it right now? And uh, <laughs> he was a little shocked. And, you know, I grabbed him a helmet and I was like, you know, the, the beginner group goes up next, go drive out. You know, he's like, are you sure? Like, do I have to pay you money? Like whatever, whatever. I was just go, just enjoy, have a good time. And, you know, if you if you liked what you were doing, come back and we can sign you up. And uh, he went out there with the beginners and he actually came back and loved it so much. And he was like, can you actually move me up a group? I think I'm doing really well. And then he ended up paying me the the full fee for the day later on just because he appreciated it so much. And we moved him up to an intermediate class, which is usually people that have been there a year or two. And he, uh, he just absolutely loved it. He was crushing it. And uh, he's come back to every single event since then. And he actually drives in a professional competitive league now. Oh, wow. wow. Really? Is there somebody who has like certain skill set when they when that makes them more successful at this? Probably like experience. You know, most of us just drive to work, go on the speed limit, driving safely. And uh, some people, you know, sit at home and play car racing video games all day long. And uh, it just depends how 
confident you are with your car, really. I wouldn't even say it takes any sort of racing skills or anything like that. The, the better you know your car, that's what it's going to be. You know, if, um, if you've been in close crash situations and you slam your brakes and you know what that feels like, then you're more, you can adapt better on a track because you are slamming the brakes. You're not slowly touching them to slow down for a turn. You're, uh, you're getting on the gas as hard as you can. You're getting on the brakes as hard as you can. So, you know, the more familiar you are with that, with your own car, I would say the better you would be. Well, who's been like the most uh, interesting client, I guess you would call? I would say my friend Nick, the one I was just describing, is definitely a big one. I mean, he's out, uh, you know, racing most of the year in a competitive league. I think that's amazing. Um, we actually had some people's parents that just showed up to watch, the, you know, their kid go out and race. And they were like, you know, this is something I might want to try. And same question. Do you think this is something I could do? It's my first time. I've never driven a car like this. And uh, so we've gotten a lot of people like that. Um, we have a guy that's, I think he's 77. Um, he has, you know, a Dodge Charger, a regular car at the beginning, and he's gone through and modified everything into a, a complete race car with no interior really? or anything like that. And he's probably one of the people with the most driving confidence I've ever seen. That man does not care at all. Uh, we had an event completely rain out. Everyone was trying to drive really safe just because, you know, rain causes lots of issues when you're driving pretty fast. And uh, he was driving like it was dry out. Wow. Uh, that man did not care at all. Yeah, there's got to be an element of, you know, just like a fantasy, yeah. like that rush that you I drove get. in the car last year. Did you? Yeah. So I went to my first event last year and it was so fun. I the, the other thing, too, I feel like that surprised me was how physically exhausting it was. Really? Yeah, because I was only able to go out one time. And um, what'd you drive? Oh, I didn't drive. I was a passenger. Oh, okay. <laughs> he drove. <laughs> yeah. Like it was so fun. Like it was a blast. I bet. And then, but like, I was sore. Like I would like my body was so sore. <laughs> like for, I bet like, it's addicting. Oh yeah, absolutely. The yeah. adrenaline rush. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The adrenaline and that just like feeling like you're such a badass mm. <laughs> in that maverick car, that <laughs> clunker car that you have. Uh, Sally yeah. gets us to Sally. point A to point yeah. B. Okay, she what'd was. You, what'd you call that truck? Dale. 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 Yeah. Do not speak ill of the Rocky. Dead. Okay. Do, do most people name their cars like Rocky does? She names all her cars. I think most people do. Do um, they? Thank you. I've had some trouble doing that. Um, I've never really found an appropriate name for most cars, but my cars <laughs> do all have genders. Okay. So. You want to explain that? Or? Um, <laughs> I think that's for another show. Yeah. That's <laughs> another show. <laughs> okay. So what's the big picture down the road? What do you hope to happen with this company? I honestly, I love the way that we're doing it. I would love to continue going down exactly the road that we are. Just, you know, more tracks, maybe open it up past the state. Um, a really big challenge for us has been, um, you know, everybody comes to Clarkston, to Waterford Hills. A lot of people live around that area. So for most people, it's a 15-minute drive. So uh, one of our racetracks is in South Haven, and it's four hours away. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to ask people to drive four hours across the state, you know, drive the wheels off their cars for two days straight and then hope they can still make it back home. Oh. So we see cl more clients that have uh, trucks and trailers and maybe spare cars to get them home and stuff like that. So it, it can take away a little bit of that appeal. So the goal for us right now is to just expand to more areas, find people that are more willing to travel and then, um, you know, find people in the places that those racetracks are at, too, because... I was going to say, can't you build your clientele with the people in those right. areas? Yeah, so that that's part of it, because, you know, I'd say 
80% of our current clientele lives around me. You know, they have a 15 minute drive to one racetrack and then four or five hours to the next one. So there's a, um, when people come and they participate in this, there's an entrance fee or a a cost of that. If, if people are just interested and they want to come and see, is there a gate fee? Um, so we allow spectators and people to take ride alongs at absolutely no cost. Um, it has been a really big bonus for us because typically you would pay to get in. And uh, even something as small as $5 sometimes keeps people away because they don't know what this is. They, they've never been to something. Are they going to enjoy other people, watching other people have fun? Um, so we want to keep that completely free. We want to get as many people into that gate as we can because the second you come through that gate and you see what these, you know, what these people are doing on a track, especially when you meet some of these people and have these conversations where they've never done this before, it's the first time out and, you know, they feel safe, they feel like they're learning. Um, it just gets more people interested. Yeah, it's probably a great way to convert more people. When you're teaching people how, for my own personal, you know, you know, future experience here, um, when how long, like from start to finish, would you say like they're with an instructor? Is it like your first session? Is it like you're with an instructor for a year? Or um, like how long before someone's driving on their own? Yeah, I guess it would uh, it would depend on what you're trying to achieve there. Mm-hmm. If you want to show up and drive safely around a track and, uh, you know, just make it through, then, you know, I'm sure that you could go out once or twice with an instructor and you'll probably be fine. If you're wanting to, like, really drive fast, beat your own personal time. Um, I mean, for example, I still drive with instructors. I have an instructor with me many of the times I go out because I want to get better and better and better. Um, you know, I'm not there to do the same thing every time. Um, that'll get old for me. Um, at the same time that I'm running a business and trying to show everybody a really fun experience, I'm also trying to better myself, beat myself. You know, these events are just a great way to do that because we have six, seven professional instructors on minimum all the time. So, um, you know, they're usually busy with the, with the newbie crowd at the beginning of the day, but towards the end of the day, you'll see all the top guys have instructors in their car because it's difficult to find your own mistakes, especially with muscle memory. You know, when you go around the track, you know how much to turn for every single turn, you know how much to break and, uh, um, it almost becomes comfortable. Mm -hmm. So like I said, to this day, I still use an instructor. So, you know, but I would be really confident that, you know, we could take anybody, bring them through those gates. And as long as they're, you know, in a car that could pass safety inspection or they, they hop into someone else's car, we'd have them up and going within the first hour. You're not racing against other people then. Right. You're racing against yourself. Like you're, right? Yeah. So we actually, by principle, we don't call it racing when we're there. Okay. Um, so, you know, it is what we're doing, but racing implies that there's a competition that you're trying to beat something. Um, for us, it's, a, it's an educational event. So we call it a uh, high performance driver's education. Oh. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. It's first of all, we want everybody to be safe. We don't want somebody out there who's trying to beat the next guy and right. doing everything they can to do that. Cause, uh, you know, sometimes that's not possible. People have more experience than you. They might have a better car. Um, we don't want you out there fighting other people on track that causes and you very don't unsafe situation. No road rage. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's good. And, uh, we usually have, stay away, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> no, Rocky's the one that has that problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. I don't know if I'll get out there, but, uh, I'll put you in a car. Yeah. <laughs> you certainly you can, will not be driving. You can do a ride along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the back seat. Or right? the truck. The truck. Yeah. <laughs> Probably be safer for the driver yeah. and the instructors and everybody else that's there. 
All right, Jackie, you got a game changer for us to I do. continue on? I should. Well, I think Nils just had a, a great one, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, mine is uh, practicing making decisions. And I know we talk a lot about decision making, and I'm going to be talking about this the rest of the season because decision making is one of five key things that you need to master before you achieve any goal. And it goes along with getting clarity, making a decision, making a commitment, taking action, and following through. Um, making a decision is hard. Making a commitment is even harder. But that's why you have to practice because practice makes perfect. So what happens is one of the things that happens when you don't make a decision is you experience something called decision fatigue. And it's like having a mental tug of war. According to Dr. Benjamin Hardy, the mental tug of war happens when you don't commit 100% to a decision for whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So you teeter-totter between choices um, when you're not sure or you're doubting yourself. And what happens is you're going back and forth between choices and you don't realize not making a choice is actually making a choice, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The situation Mm -hmm. of not making a choice usually wins, which means that nothing is getting done because you're busy having this mental tug of war. So Dr. Benjamin Hardy says that one of the best ways to combat this is to do what Michael Jordan said. And Michael Jordan said that once he made a decision, he never thought about it again. That means that you cut off all other options. You stop doubting yourself and you start trusting yourself. So the game-changing idea for the week is to start with small decisions. Like, for example, don't take an hour trying to decide what you're going to have for dinner. Don't go back and forth. with. Just start with a simple decision. Make a decision, cut off all other options, trust your choice, and move forward. Have what you're going to have for dinner, and don't look back. So that's the game-changing idea for the week. All right. And for more game-changing ideas, you can go to gamechangercoaching.today. It's fortune cookie time. We're going to toss our cookies. All right, so we toss our cookies in whatever way the prongs face. That means that fortune was meant for you. I think that pink one. I think we should end it with summer track days. These custom-made beautiful fortunes by our own designer, the Gugini of Italy. Yeah. <laughs> the fortune designer. Ooh, that could be your new LLC, Gina. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fortune designer. I don't need anything else for you to give me to do. <laughs> You're no fun. We'll have Nils do it. He'll, he'll give it to you. Yeah. All Let's the see. flowers of tomorrow are the seeds of today at Summer Track Days. Go ahead, Nils. So mine is curiosity kills boredom. Nothing can kill curiosity. Ooh, with some That's track a days. <laughs> All right. An important, I have the exact same one. An important person will offer you support at summer track days. Ooh. An instructor that you'll need to tie you to the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> locker in the truck. Mm-hmm. It is easier to show grace when we recall how much we need it with summer track days. All right, thank you, Nils Hartman. Uh, you. So check out summer track days, summertrackdays.com. dot com. And like, subscribe, and follow the Nooner Show. Sometimes the only mode of transportation available is the leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith with us, and have a great. Day.